Grace and peace be with you today from God our Father and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we need not fear because you walk with us on our journey as your disciples through this life. We pray that you would bless our time now as we sit under your word and learn from you. Call us out of our caves, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we look at uh, Peter in the account of Jesus walking on the water and Elijah is running for his life in 1 Kings 19, you could say it's not looking like a good day for the disciples in the readings for today. It's not looking like a good day at all. Peter drops like a stone into the water when he loses focus He's overwhelmed by the wind and the furious storm. You know, he started out filled with confidence, didn't he? He's full of confidence. He asked Jesus to command him to jump overboard so he can walk out on the water to meet him. Peter's bold. Peter's always been bold. But then everything gets a bit hazy and quite soggy actually and before he knows it, he's saying the most direct and honest prayer of his life. Lord, save me. Meanwhile, poor Elijah has a contract out on his life after, as Israel suffers under another evil king named Ahab and his wife Jezebel. You've probably heard of Jezebel. Jezebel loves to kill God's prophets. She loves to kill. And she is seething after Elijah confronted her false prophets on Mount Carmel. Do you remember what happened on Mount Carmel? Anyone know what happened up, up on top of Mount Carmel? bit of fire being called down from heaven. It was 850 false prophets versus one man of God in Elijah to see whose God is real. And the false prophets, they were having no success calling down fire from Baal. And when that was happening, Elijah even had the courage to taunt them. He was asking them whether their gods were indisposed, maybe in the toilet, you know. Uh, Maybe they're busy in the toilet and that's why you can't get fire from heaven. Or maybe they're asleep and so they're just not hearing you. He's filled with confidence, Elijah was, as they marched around their altar and they paraded and cried out and even cut themselves, made themselves bleed, trying to be heard by their false gods. And then, of course, Elijah prayed to the Lord and The Lord came down with fire from heaven and he consumed everything that Elijah had prepared on that altar of sacrifice. Even after Elijah had gotten those false prophets, he was this confident that he said, you get water and you can pour water all over my kindling, all over uh, the, the sacrifice and don't just do it once, you can do it a few times. Saturate everything. That's how, that's how confident I am in God. And of course, what happened? Elijah prays and God comes down from heaven. Fire comes down. It doesn't matter that everything's drenched and dripping wet. God consumes everything. The the timber, the water, the sacrifice. Elijah is vindicated and the Lord has shown himself to be the only God. And unfortunately that day, all Jezebel's false prophets are killed with the sword. And she is one very, very angry woman. Very angry. She sends word to Elijah saying, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. That is like one of her dead false prophets. 
She's saying, you are dead, Elijah, and I'm going to kill you if it's the last thing I do. I vow to you, you're dead. I want you dead. And this is a revenge killing. And the Bible says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. What? Elijah was afraid and ran for his life after all that? And that's the setting for where we find Elijah this morning tucked away in his little man cave. He was afraid and so he ran. People head for the hills, dash for cover and their caves for all kinds of reasons. Caves provide cover when you need to hide out for a while but you don't need a physical rock cave in order to hide out. You only need to slam a few doors behind you in the family home and you can put some space between you and other people in your house. You can hide out in your garage or in your bedroom like you told me. You know, husbands and wives can be present together in exactly the same room, even on the same couch, sitting side by side and not be present or available to each other. You can use your work as a hiding place when you don't want to go home. The computer can be your cave, a hideout from reality. In fact, you could be doing absolutely nothing, sitting in front of your TV and be absent and available, unavailable to everyone around you because you're actually in your cave. And I'm not talking about men and their inability to multitask. This is actually a real cave-dwelling experience. The serious matter is that people actually try to bury their problems and imperfections in caves so no one can see their weaknesses and people can't see their sins. You've seen it in the news recently with the Murdochs and the media scandal. Remember that a few weeks back? Everyone is retreating into their hiding places and denying responsibility for privacy breaches and backroom deals that have happened. They shouldn't have happened, but they did. No one wants to be found out and you see people on the news scurrying for cover. So what are the pressures facing you at the moment? What are the pressures facing you in your thought life, in your home life, personal pressures with your family or your job, your health? What are the things that are weighing on you? The thing is, no one's immune from this. We all suffer from this. We all have pressures. We all have stuff going on. There's no immunity. And yet the pressures that crush our spirits aren't too big for the Lord God of hosts, whether you believe that or whether you scoff at me today. There is no place. There is no cave too deep or dark where the Lord's grace and compassion cannot reach you even if you can't see a way out for yourself. And that's important because you will know that carrying heavy burdens around with you comes at a cost. They eat away at you. They wear you down and they're not good company. And Elijah is testimony to that today. He was having a bit of a self-pity problem in his cave. Fire from heaven hadn't produced repentant hearts like he was hoping for. For all his efforts, he felt like there was no return. He'd preached the word and nothing happened. Actually, what did happen was a complete and utter backfire that put his own life at risk. What a waste 
of time. And so here he is in his cave back on Mount Sinai and that is the same place you remember where the Lord appeared in the burning bush and commissioned Moses. It's the mountain where the Lord gave his Ten Commandments. It's the mountain that trembled with the awesome presence of God and was covered with smoke. But Elijah came back here himself not because of the word of the Lord but because of the words of Jezebel who threatened his life. Here he is, he's weighed down with all kinds of pressures and frustration and he's in his cave and he's all upset and he's trying to make sense of his circumstances and God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, they have rejected your covenant. They have broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. You know what? For the most part, he's right. Elijah had a consuming passion to serve God, to live in his will and to uphold the Lord's honour even in the face of ungodliness and blatant ungodliness. But friends, he's not the only one left like he laments. He's not the only one left. He knew, he knew that one of the officials in Ahab's court, in the king's court, had 100 of the Lord's prophets hidden in caves away from Jezebel and her kill squads. He had them in groups of two lots of 50. But he's filled, this is Elijah, he's filled with self-pity. He's frustrated that things hadn't worked out the way he hoped and now he's lost his focus. Sounds familiar like all of God's people from time to time, like you, like me, Elijah is in desperate need of some reassurance. He needs God to call him out of his cave and so do we. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Find this fascinating. It wasn't the destructive blast of the wind. It wasn't the shaking of the earth's foundations or the intense heat of the fire that brought Elijah out of his cave. And the Lord didn't announce his presence with thunder. God spoke in the sound of gentle silence. It was the whisper of the Lord that brought Elijah out of his cave. The whisper. You know, I don't know, maybe Elijah was there looking for fire and earthquakes and rock-shattering winds. Maybe he wanted to sort out the people of God with a bit of destructive force. But it was the gentle whisper that moved him. You know, God doesn't always deal with the situations we find ourselves struggling in in the ways that we want or expect him to. Sometimes God in his infinite wisdom 
chooses to go to work in your life in ways that will bless you and that will stretch you in ways that you'd never imagine. That's because you don't have the same vision that God has. God has 20-20 vision of your past, He has 20-20 vision of your present and He has a 20-20 vision of your future and not only your future but the future of everything that is. He knows all the intricate details of everything because He created it. And sometimes God chooses to work through what appears ordinary, very ordinary, for his extraordinary purposes. You know, I want to share with you today that I'm finding the longer that myself, Janelle and Amy are here in Cairns, the more I see God's wisdom and hand behind our appointment here. But maybe you don't know if you're visiting with us, it wasn't my choice to come to Cairns. I had no say in it. No say. And can I say how frustrating it was as a final year pastoral student to think that a couple of ordinary men in our College of Presidents was working out my future and the future of my family behind closed doors that I couldn't get through to actually have some input in. It's a funny thing when you know your future years are being worked out behind closed doors and you just want to get in, you just want to just open the door and just say something. Speak something into the scenario. But we couldn't. There are now, right at this very moment, final year students at Australian Lutheran College who are chewing off the ends of their fingers wondering where the College of Presidents are going to send them next year when they are assigned to a parish. They're literally chewing off their fingers. I know them. The thing is, I have the privilege, I have the honour now of telling them, yes, the College of Presidents are ordinary men, but God is the one directing this process. God is in this. Take it from me. I was one chewing off my fingers. I didn't have that 2020 vision, but God did. Now we're at Cairns and we are blessed to be here. It is a wonderful place to be and to be doing ministry. It is going to be okay. Trust me, God is in this process. You see ordinary men, but look beyond that and see an awesome and mighty God who is directing this whole process. His, your lives are safe in his hands. Thing is, that doesn't always sit well with us though, does it? When we're looking at our own situation. So often we don't want to work through ordinary means. We want the quick fix. We want the miraculous fix. We want the instant relief fixes. And when it doesn't come on our terms or how we planned it, we can even accuse God of reckless abandonment. Of course, that's not the case at all. So I want you to think today, you know, maybe as you're uh, dwelling on the pressures facing you today, God knows you need to work things through. That a quick fix isn't what you need at all. Maybe the miracle in your life will happen as you work through the means and the people and the resources that God has placed all around you. And you know, that's how God worked things out for Elijah, a miracle man, experienced all these amazing things, fire from heaven. And yet God instructed him to return and anoint Hazael, Jehu and Elisha. Victory, victory came as a result of an ordinary, a very ordinary political process. 
a whisper, if you like. As God removed certain kings and set up others in their place according to his plans. No spectacular fireworks from heaven. But you know what? They didn't need it. Even the gentle whisper of the Lord has power to change world events, to dethrone kings, to raise up prophets and to set frustrated people back on the path of discipleship. That same word of the Lord is yours today in the situations you're facing. Paul says that the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart and that's the word of the gospel, the word that points you to God's way of changing world history and your eternal destiny. Through the apparent weakness of the cross of Jesus came the glorious and mighty power of God to save his people. This word that's near you, in your mouth and in your heart, is the word that picks you up when you need it, the word that dusts you off and continues to call you into the light and into the life of Jesus Christ. It's the word that calls you out of your cave. It's the word that calls you to follow Jesus and keep your gaze fixed on him. The word that invites you to take refuge in the Lord and in his strong promises that continues to declare to you, your sins are forgiven. It's the word, and hear this, that frees you from the threats. It frees you from the threats of the things that weigh you down and the situations that you struggle against because you know, deep down, you are a child of the living God, the great I Am. In the Gospel this morning, That's what happened to the disciples when they saw Jesus walking across the water to their storm-battered boat. They heard his voice saying, Take heart, I am. Don't be afraid. That's the same I am who whispered to Elijah on Mount Sinai. It's the same I am who passed by Moses saying, The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. The I am who delivered his people out of the pressure and weight of slavery in Egypt, who parted the Red Sea so that they could pass through in a new and safe passage. The same I am who brought Ramesses, Malachi, Dutton through the waters of baptism this morning. The same great I am who's brought you through those same waters. Today, know that you are gathered in the holy presence of God who has power over all the elements and there is no challenge or pressure facing you or your loved ones or this community that is too big for the great I Am, the Lord God of hosts. Look to Him. Follow Him. Receive assurances from His Word and call out to Him knowing that He hears your cries for help and that He acts. He acts in the cross of Jesus, saving you from the power and the threat of sin and guilt and death. And know today that he will continue to act in your life through that same cross's power that ripples through generations. Know that God today holds out his mighty right hand to you in your time of need. Which leaves you with the question, How are you going to respond? Amen.
Lord God, please surprise each person here today as they step out into the week before them. Father, keep all our eyes and ears open and alert for the sound of your gentle whisper. Give us an openness to see you at work through mighty wonders even when they appear ordinary in our human eyes. Give us the assurance and the confidence to know that there is no pressure, no weight, no sin, nothing that's too deep or that draws us too far away from your mighty saving hand. Give us your peace from above. In Jesus' name, Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen.